0: It's daily thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's today's special guest, Elijah Robertson. I want to talk today, just something that's, it's on my heart a lot and it, it has come I think a fresh, in some senses, and so I want to look at it with you today. I, in one sense, it might be my last uh, encouragement to you as students. I think I'll have you again, hi, <laughs> and hi. <laughs> I don't think I'll have you again uh, before you guys leave. Hopefully, I'll see you, but this might be my parting plea. To you. Again, it's something that I I think is so important and yet it's neglected. It's neglected in our day and age. And I think Peter, in this second epistle, he he really hones in on it well. Uh, What is the goal of the Christian life on this side of eternity? What is the goal as we gather and we preach, we teach, we share the Word of God together? What are we doing? You ever think about that? When we, we gather in a, a building oftentimes and uh, with a local congregation and the Word is preached, or maybe you come to a Bible school and the Word is preached, uh, you study. Uh, what's the goal of this? What are we doing Are we having some sort of social club? Is this how we, uh, you know, maintain the church? Uh, Is this how we keep it going and make sure it doesn't die? Oh, what are we doing? What's the purpose? Surely it's not a social club. Surely it's not how we make sure the church uh, doesn't die. What are we doing? What do we hope for? I think it's nothing less than to inform cognitively each other of truth in such a way that each of us can leave this place and more appropriately, correctly submit our faith place, our faith in our lord and savior jesus christ if you don't walk out of a gathering <clears throat> being reminded i'm not saying you have to have something new i don't plan on saying anything new today by the way if you don't walk out at least being reminded of the truth and what you believe and are able intentionally to place your confidence and faith, or I like to say submit your faith to the gospel of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ afresh in a clearer way. If you're not able to, let me put it in terms that we use at Ellerslie a lot, if you're not able to reckon the truth afresh, we have not succeeded in our purpose. The goal of the Christian life on this side of eternity is to move to maturity. Christian maturity. This is what we desire. This is what we do as we gather together to grow to Christian maturity. And nothing less. Christian maturity is not experience, although it involves experience. It is not ministry, although it should and would involve ministry. That's not necessarily Christian maturity. I'd say it's what I just said earlier. It's being able to place your faith correctly. And ever increasingly correctly. Correctly in the gospel of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and have the substance of that in your life. And I think that Peter does a good job of pointing us in that direction. Uh, I want to focus on the importance of knowledge today and doctrine. Don't get scared. If we are going to grow to Christian maturity, one cannot do bypass the cognitive element of our faith you do not bypass your mind you do not bypass your mind it doesn't work like that one cannot bypass the cognitive element of our faith let me hasten to say it is not substance within itself And it must be applied, but we do not have substance or Christian maturity apart from it. I want to focus on knowledge and doctrine today. As you leave this place, where are you going? What are you going to do with the next three months of your life? Knowledge and doctrine. You know, it's amazing the diminishment of knowledge or cognitive knowing In our day and age, it's received such a diminishing place. To use one's mind to know is almost out of the question in our society. People do not appear to be unsettled when they hold contradictory concepts. They can even acknowledge them and continue To hold them or argue these contradictory concepts that they are espousing. But this is not only outside the Protestant evangelical realm, this is within the Protestant evangelical realm. Spiritual experience is exalted over careful study. Isn't that amazing? Tell somebody you're studying theology and doctrine and they'll just go, huh? Yeah, nice. But explain a spiritual experience and all of a sudden you have a pedestal in their life. Express some miraculous happening and all of a sudden you have authority. The problem is we don't we don't realize that spiritual experience separate from understanding can never lead to Christian maturity. I mean, you know, in generations past, the focus was not only on beginning well, but the focus of what people talked about and preached about was finishing well. Finishing the race and finishing it well. Spiritual experience, separate from understanding, can never lead to Christian maturity and may very well be superstition. And worse yet, it might be spiritual deception. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many of us have walked into spiritual deception because we just didn't know the doctrine? We just didn't know the truth. How many of us have esteemed those who are spiritual deceivers because we just didn't know what the Bible says? And we didn't make it a priority in our life. Worse yet, you mentioned doctrine and Christians seem to have, at least in different circles, seem to have almost a distaste for this concept. Almost a revulsion for the idea idea of doctrine. Uh, That's incredible within the church of Jesus Christ that it could have a distaste for doctrine. We have nothing apart from doctrine. They seem to think that It could destroy and actually hinder your Christian maturity. Worse, it could destroy the unity that we have. I'm not sure why we want unity apart from doctrine, to be honest with you. If you don't know what you're uniting about, maybe that union is superficial at best. What do I mean when I say doctrine? Let me simply put it this way, I mean the foundational teachings, the word doctrine means teaching by the way, so when I say doctrine, Christian doctrine, I mean the foundational teachings that God reveals to us in his word about him, primarily, and then about humanity, about creation, about the gospel. And about destiny. There's other ways that you could try to say those things. But that's, in a basic sense, what I mean when I say doctrine. One of the teachings that come out of the Word of God that declare to us the foundational truths about who He is. Who we are. What creation is. What the gospel is. And what destiny is. That is Christian doctrine doctrine. The Bible is clear. We cannot have Christian maturity apart from knowledge. Careful study. Knowledge. Doctrine. To seek Christian maturity apart from knowledge. Now remember I said knowledge is not substance within itself. So don't ever get that mixed up. You can know a lot of stuff and have no substance or maturity, but it is an essential step that you cannot bypass to Christian maturity. In fact, I would title this something along the lines of the forgotten step to Christian maturity, or the missing ingredient of Christian maturity. But to seek it apart from knowledge is like seeking a treasure without a treasure map. I'm gonna say that again. To seek Christian maturity to seek to stand apart from knowledge, doctrine, is like seeking a treasure without a treasure map. Where do we start? Where do you end? And when you find something, how do you know it's the right treasure? Because you can find something. Didn't Jesus say in John 15, I am the true vine? If he's the true vine, what does that say? There's other vines and you'll get something. You will get something. To seek Christian maturity apart from Knowledge and doctrine is like seeking a treasure without a treasure map. My hope, my goal, is that we would walk out of this room with a greater esteem for sacred Scripture in our pursuit of Christian maturity. Number two, that We would also esteem the doctrine that we receive directly from that divine revelation or from sacred scripture. And lastly, that we would have a greater grasp of how the careful study of sacred scripture and doctrine, or the doctrine that comes therefrom, are non-negotiable ingredients to Christian maturity. I'm getting older. You know, I lost my hair around 19, I started losing my hair. So I guess I can't claim that's what made me older. (laughs) But I am getting older now. And my idea of what maturity is, is changing drastically. How do you esteem this word and how will you esteem it when you leave this place? And how do you seek and pursue the doctrine that comes out of it? Do you know it is possible to immerse yourself in reading the scripture in a non-intentional way and be filled with verses and nuggets and pizzazz but not begin to possess the substance that you can have in it? Because the substance is not verses. Uh, let me put it this way. <clears throat> I heard a story about uh, torture for Christ, uh, that Richard Warmbrandt, and that he was in prison, and uh, you know he went through all those things. Right, everybody kind of knows his basic. I think he was in for years and even times a solitary for confinement. When he got out, people asked him, uh, so what verses, because he you know, had memorized a lot of verses. I think he even memorized like one about fear, I think, for every day of the year. This, th- things like that. And you can check this out for me. Uh, I just heard this recounted. But they asked him, so what verses went the most to you? And he said, none of them. And I, as, a, as a normal evangelical Christian, we're kind of taken back. Like, what do you mean, none of them? You know, he said, Listen, knowing Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is not helpful. But knowing what that truth leads to is. Knowing what is behind the concept, it's one thing to say, Hey, the Lord's a shepherd, and I I will not want, but why is he a shepherd? What upholds that truth? Do you know the doctrine? Do you know the substance and the reality of who God is that makes him able to be a shepherd in what you can declare to your own soul you or I will not want? That's doctrine. Doctrine is to understand what upholds the truth. Let me bring this to Ellerslie World. What's your position? But, do you know the doctrines? That uphold those or that very statement? And are you ever increasing in the doctrines that uphold that very statement? We must. We must grow to Christian maturity. And you cannot do that apart from knowledge and doctrine. What are the teachings that culminate together to substantiate what we believe? Well, let's take a closer look at the book of 2 Peter and see how he begins to espouse this concept of knowledge, of doctrine. You'll find this throughout Scripture, um, but I think it's great. It, it, it's seen here. And actually, I was assigned to speak on something in Second Peter a while back here for Daily Thunder, and then we skipped it. And so I just kept going in Second Peter, and then that's I'm still let's, let's enjoy this in Second Peter. Now the verse that I read, the text that I read in the beginning to ground what we we're talking about was uh, the last verses in Second Peter, and you'll notice in verse eighteen. Well, let's start with seventeen. It says yet you therefore beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care. So take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability verse 18 but grow in the grace and the what knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so he ends this epistle hearkening back to this concept I've warned you I've told you beforehand you and this is what you need to do need to do that you're not carried away with the error of wrong doctrine that's really what he's saying the air of wrong teaching. How do we do it? By growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you remember in 2 Peter, Peter is most likely near his death. He might be in prison at this point, and he knows, that most likely he is in prison, and he knows that he is on his way to put off his physical temple. We also know that he's writing to believers, so don't mistake that. He is writing to believers in verse 1. He says, uh, in his salutation, he says, Simon Peter, servant apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing. So he's writing to those who are in a faith, have obtained a faith of equal standing with his. So we we feel the weight of what he's saying. This is his final instructions to those who have been entrusted to him. These could be the last words that he gives them. So let's take a look at this. I want to look at Peter's claim. I want to look at Peter's warning. Well, and well, we'll also look at his plan. But his warning and then we'll look at some applications. So, Peter's claim. Peter declares that knowledge is a key element to maturity or substance. Let's just start in 1 Peter chapter 1. I already read part of his salutation. And then in verse 2, he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. When he uses the term grace and peace, what he's really talking about is the gospel. May the gospel be multiplied to you. May you be brought into Christian maturity. I would like to say this is the thesis statement of this epistle. This is what his whole point is in writing it. He, he wants them to grow in grace and peace. Or, uh, that they, they would grow in Christian maturity. And notice how he says they will do that. And notice hearken, this is very similar to the final verse of the epistle. He says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you, what? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So Peter starts with the claim that you can grow to Christian maturity. You can have substance if you grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Or He says, of God and of Jesus our Lord, which is actually rather important. Verse 3, he's going to now explain this, okay? He's going to set forth like a little teachable of how you can grow to maturity. He says, his divine power, speaking of God, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Just stop there. That's amazing. His divine power, so not that he has given us all things within ourself, but Through his divine power, he has given us all things that pertain, or granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But look at the qualifier. What is the qualifier? How do we have all that we need? Come on, think about your life. Think about the things you're dealing with. Think about the things in front of you. Think about where the society is going right now. How do you have all that you need for what's going on today? And tomorrow what does he say through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence so his divine power will be at work in you giving you all you need for this life and godliness it does not matter the circumstance or the temptation and I know I'm not speaking that as if because I'm something only because the word declares it not because I have something within myself But he qualifies that through the knowledge of him. His divine power will be at work in you as you know, as you cognitively are aware. Let's go on. He's going to define and explain what he means by this. His divine power is granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he said, through the knowledge of him, it was called us to his own glory and excellence. Again, it's a comma. So then he's going to go on. By which, so, so through this knowledge of him, he has granted to us, his precious and very great promises. So as we are knowledgeable of who God is, we are being given these promises, these cognitive claims, truth claims, that's what they are. God gives cognitive truth claims to us as we grow in this knowledge of Him, these, and these very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of His divine nature. So go back to divine power has granted. And, and, but how is it? Because you're partaking in the divine nature of God. And his divine power grants you all that you need. But how do you partake in the very nature of God? It's only one answer. Through the knowledge of him. You begin to learn the truths of God and you begin to see God's claiming this, God's claiming that, God He's giving me these promises. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, he's giving me these truth. It, I like to call it doctrine, the teachings. Not a verse here and a verse there. That's not the right way to think about scripture. But does all scripture bear witness to this foundational doctrine? Truth, teaching and but through that we partake in his divine nature but how do we do it it is all based on growing in the knowledge of him that is an ingredient that you cannot skip over after that he's going to go in and begin to tell us to add these things to our life and and these are we don't have time to go through them. But these are qualities of God. These are, it's not things like you add, like I'm going to add something abstract, but it's, it's thinking about who, him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. So again, we're not going to go into that, but look at what Peter says in verse, he says, if you don't, if you're not doing these things, you're blind. But look at verse 8. For these qualities are yours and increasing. Look what he says. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter makes a claim. You need knowledge if you're going to have substance. And then he says, okay, now begin to take that knowledge, begin to put it into practice. And if you have these qualities growing in you, through the promises of God, this knowledge of God, that caused you to be a partaker of divine nature, you won't be unfruitful in that knowledge. Because that's another ingredient. And I'm not going to focus on that because my focus is more on we need to grow in knowledge and doctrine. If we're going to have substance. But applied knowledge is nothing at all. I'm mean, sorry. Knowledge that's not applied is nothing. We need to be fruitful and effective in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ, which he says in verse 8. So Peter gives us the, 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 the recipe, as it were, to be a mature Christian. God's given you promises. And those promises talk about his divine life in you, his divine power, right? That's what we call union with Christ, being in Christ, Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's how I'm living and moving and having my being. I can't do anything in myself. But we have to have these in the knowledge of him. He's given claims we are, become cognitively, cognitively knowledgeable of them. And then we begin to reckon them. That's really what we're talking about in the, these qualities that I'm again not going to take the time to go through right now. And look what Peter says in verse 12. He says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. So wh- sh- long story short what is Peter's desire that we would not forget the basic recipe to Christian maturity he just lays it out right there it's just it's laid out very simply through the gospel we are brought in the union with Christ but you can't partake in that, in a substantive way, apart from knowing, you cannot skip your mind. I don't know what's wrong with the evangelicals. We take experience and emotions over truth. You cannot know God apart from cognitive knowing first. Diminish his word and doctrine in your life. Now, Peter then is going to exalt Scripture. He's going to say, first, he's going to give a, um, a reference to the Trent Mount Transfiguration. He's like, listen, we're not following cleverly devised myths and fables. But I know, I saw, I was there. John does the same thing in the, the Epistle of John, that we have touched, tasted, handled, seen. But look what Peter does. Peter turns this. He says, verse 19, Well we'll start with 18. We ourselves heard this very voice born in from heaven, for we have with him, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So again, he's talking about that mountain transfiguration, but now look it he changes. He goes, "And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what's he doing? He's saying, look at the Bible, the Word of God, the prophetic revelation of God to us. He's exalting it. He's like, that's a more sure word not just my, my time on the mount where I saw Christ transfigured, but the more sure word of prophecy, Scripture, which you will do well to pay attention to. Knowledge. You've got to know cognitively. What's wrong? People run around and pray and they don't even know what to pray. Do you pray Scripture or do you just pray? I don't want to hear your words. And you don't want to hear mine, I hope. Let's pray truth. That might be a rebuke to some of us. It doesn't matter if you run around and pray for 45 minutes. Pray truth. What are you praying? What the Bible has revealed of who God is, who we are, what creation is, what purpose is, what right and wrong is, what our destiny is. Don't go outside those bounds. Pray truth. Yeah, you know how many times I hear people pray, and, and oh I, I mean I'm like probably the chief been guilty of this. We're praying for somebody, our hearts are in turmoil, what's going on. Oh God be with them. That's like heresy. That's like wrong. That's like non-biblical. But the only way you know that if you understand the doctrine of God's word. Of course God is with them. Oh God, will you come and do something in our nation? Is there anything biblical about that? As if we can we need to manipulate God and drag him down from heaven to help us because we have a much more compassionate and caring and gospel-centered heart than God. That's called stupidity. That's called ignorance. Yeah that, yeah, that was me. <laughs> so, no, I'm not just talking about you. <sighs> Peter's going to turn, and you're going to see this all the more. So, he, he, he's given us the recipe. He said, I want you to always be a reminder of it. Then he exalts the word of God, and now he's going to switch it in chapter 2. And we'll try to finish this up, because we're running out of time. Yeah, rather quickly. Second, uh, Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> Look what he says. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there would be false teachers among you. What do you think they're doing? They're giving doctrine. They're giving knowledge. And it's not correct. You're not going to get away from doctrine if you, don't, you, if you want to. You can deny it. You can uh, you know, act like it's not there. You can not use that word. You're still going to do it. You're going to create a list or a set of foundational teachings that inform you on how to view and understand reality around you, whether you like it or not. And he says, look it, but in the Old Testament, back when these prophetic utterances came, there's a more sure word confirmed by God. He says, but false prophets also arose among the people then and gave Wrong teaching. I mean, come on. Your mind should just pull them up, pulling them up, pulling them up, pulling them up. We could go right back to Genesis three just to start that out. What happens? The enemy comes in, and the enemy does what? He gives an alternative doctrine of God. He doesn't just lie about them. That's another. alternative. Doctrine he gives them. He gives them an alternative doctrine of their self. But the primary one is God. Now, let me back up real quick. Did you notice that Peter doesn't say all the other doctrines that I talked about? He just says, growing the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Why? Because theology proper, the doctrine of God, is the primary doctrine. Everything else comes out of who God is, everything finds its legitimacy. It's reasonableness and it's substantiated in God. So we've got to start by knowing who he is. And then everything else comes out of that. What did the enemy do in the, in, in the garden? He gave an alternate doctrine of God. He knows that if you do this, you will be as God's knowing good and evil. What's the point? He's not omnipotent. He can't stop you because if you just do it, you'll be like him. He can't, he, can't, he can't stop you. He's not omniscient, because he doesn't know this is going on right now. You're making a decision apart from him. He's not truth, because he didn't reveal truth to you. He gave a different doctrine of God. Once the lie set in, It becomes part of your foundational understanding of, in this sense, who God is, and that reflects on everything else. The dominoes are huge. You're going to have a doctrine, a teaching of God, a teaching of uh, who we are, a teaching of what purposes. You're going to have it. You just may not know it or be intentional. They were false teachers who gave alternative doctrines. False teachers. And look what he says. Who will bring in destructive heresies. It's exactly what the enemy did. He brought in a different teaching, a destructive heresies. And it says, many will follow their sensualities, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Let's just skip down for sake of time here. Verse 12. Look what, he st- look what he says here. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, irrational, people who aren't using their knowledge well, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters which they are ignorant. Guys, use your mind. Carefully study this word and Understand what the whole teaches about who God is, who you are, what your purpose is, what's right and wrong, what the gospel is, and what destiny is. Let's not be the ignorant. These people revel in their deceptions Verse seventeen, he'll talk about application again, but he'll make an interesting statement. Verse twenty, he says, "For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them over and overcome, the last state of them is worse for for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known." Again, I think Peter is making the claim that you must exercise. The knowledge you have. Knowledge apart from uh, application, or we might say applied knowledge, is not good. If it's not applied, it needs to be applied knowledge, okay? So applied knowledge is good. Not applied knowledge is not good. To know something cognitively, not, can I use Ellersley term, reckon it, is death. It is not good. In Peter chapter 3, again, he'll go and say, I'm going to stir up your mind. uh, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through uh, uh, through your apostles. Right? So he's like, know the doctrine. Know what we're teaching. This is how you are going to have substance. And of course, he finishes. and We'll just skip down. There's uh, verse thirteen says, "But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and new earth in which righteousness dwells." Now, again, I'm not hitting everything in Peter. This is overwhelming. To try to do that, and we're already out of time. But look at what's the hope for heaven, according to his? You need to have knowledge of what. He, do you know what he's promised? Please don't just tell me heaven. We're waiting according to his promise, according to knowledge. Are you growing in knowledge? You cannot have Christian maturity. And can I go further? You cannot do ministry. You cannot love well. You cannot mother well. You cannot father well. You cannot be a spouse well. You cannot serve the church well. You cannot work well. Even in this world. I mean, just out there working apart from knowledge growing in the promises of God. And primarily, I want to encourage you to start with knowing who God is. Because everything else comes from that. So let's finish with this verse again. (laughs) Peter, how do we, we don't know, but maybe the next day he was marched off. Tradition says he was hung upside down, right? On a cross. He was crucified. Maybe it was two days later. I don't know. But look, this man who knows I'm not going to be able to be there to shepherd these people anymore. What is the last thing he wanted them to get? What was his heart yearning? Because you know, he knew what was coming. He said, I've told you beforehand. Isn't that exactly what Paul says in in uh, Acts 20. No, wolves are coming among you. And you won't see my face again. And he instructs him similarly. Peter's heart, for those who he knew wasn't going to be here to like get away the bad guys anymore and keep reminding them and just like bring another teaching. He's like, this is my last teaching. This is all I got. What's his heart? But grow in the grace like the gospel and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Friends, as you leave this place, will you grow? Will you continue to grow? Will you intentionally grow? Don't diminish this word. And don't diminish doctrine. You study the word to have right doctrine. So that you might fix your eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith rightly. a lot of people are trying to do that and they're not doing it knowledgeably. Listen, I used to think like faith was like me getting in a corner. I believe, I believe you'll heal this person, you're gonna do that. That's not faith. That's not knowledgeable. Keep growing. Know who God is, what he's promised, and what it means. That's what Peter said, right? This is who God is, and he's divine, and he's going to give you his power for everything, for life and godliness, and here's how you partake in that. Growing in the knowledge of him. He's giving you these promises that you, through them, through the knowledge of him, he's giving you promises to actually have the substance of what he's promised. Don't ever stop at knowledge, but don't skip it. I'm telling you, I keep running into this, whether my own life or around me. People are diminishing that book. And and most if they don't diminish it, they have no idea. Actually, what they're getting out of it, what they do is they get verses and this and that, and here's my thought for the day. They don't know how to take it, and understand foundational doctrinal truth that can give them a clear understanding of all that is around them, how to perceive it, interpret it, think about it. Thus they have all they need for life and godliness because they know the doctrine that pertains to these things, who God is, who they are, and that they have partaken in His divine nature. All right. <sighs> By Your grace, Lord. let's pray. Father, we thank You. I thank You I don't know how much time you've given me. I don't know how much time you've given these precious saints in front of me. Oh, that you would open up our minds. May this prick our hearts and our conscience to be intentional in how we study this word and how we seek out doctrine, how we seek out foundational truths, how, how we're intentional say, I need to cognitively understand what God is saying here so that I can rightly walk. I can rightly place my faith and confidence in you. May we do the hard work of study. I don't care if we're the weakest. If we know the truth, and we reckon the truth, we will not be moved. Praise God. May we not skip over the knowing, the careful study, the theology, the doctrine that's the foundation for the Christian life. What you have divinely revealed in your word that we might reckon rightly and have substance that leads to Christian maturity. In the name of our Lord and Savior, I pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.